0: Welcome everyone, I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the director of the Respect Life Office of the Arts Diocese of Cincinnati, and this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro Life. Each month we'll discuss a different topic in the Respect Life arena. We'll hear a personal story from someone deeply affected by that issue, and finally, we'll share ways so you can get involved. This month, we're gonna talk about how to get involved on in the local, state, federal, and even international efforts in the Respect Life movement, especially as it relates to abortion, and this week, we're talking with Ohio Senator Steve Huffman. Senator Huffman, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thank you very much. And thank you very much for having me.
0: Senator Huffman, before we get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us about your background.
1: I was elected to the state Senate uh, two years ago. I represent all of Miami, Preble, Southern Dark, and Montgomery County on the west side, including the city of Dayton. I had spent four years in the House before I moved over to the Senate. I was the very first practicing medical physician to ever get elected to the state senate in the state of Ohio. I was the second to be elected to the house when I was there. So I continue to practice emergency medicine and I find it gives me a unique perspective, especially on the pro-life issues. I grew up in the Transfiguration Parish in West Milton and currently belong to St. Christopher in Vandalia. I live in Tip City with my wife and five children. I've spent a year and a half overseas in the missions in the Catholic Church, practicing medicine mostly in the Caribbean, but Africa, Australia. I found that to be very rewarding.
0: That sounds like a podcast in of itself, the story of your mission work. You said five
1: years? No, 18 months over my career. I have led youth mission to Catholic schools in Belize for 14 years to last year because the epidemic couldn't couldn't do that. I've taken and my wife and five children nearly every time that I've gone places. And I I can proudly say, you know, I'm a, a devout Catholic. My oldest daughter went to Xavier. My other four children went to Notre Dame. Thank
0: you so much again for being with us today, Senator. So let's start with some of the bills that have happened recently that's passed that we can talk about, and then we can move on to some of the bills that maybe are currently being visited, currently voted on, or are currently being proposed. So things that have passed recently in the Respect Life arena. I know we've got the fetal remains bill, the te- telemedicine abortion ban, the heartbeat bill. Those are three that come to mind. I'll start
1: with the heartbeat bill. And God gave us hard work. That was first introduced about 11 years before it passed. It was hard work for many people in the General Assembly that finally got that done. And it's currently in the court. And I think that passing the heartbeat bill is people didn't looked at it and said, you know, it's not the time because of the Supreme Court. I don't know what's a better time besides now to push something like the heartbeat bill. It's currently in the federal courts and hopefully it'll make it to the Supreme Court and be found constitutional.
0: I remember that very well. It kept getting voted down or it was vetoed by the governor at that time.
1: It was right. vetoed, and then the House overran the, the veto when I was there, and the Senate missed by one vote. But that was very discouraging for many people. But I also looked at it that within six months, we were going to come back. We had a change in governor who signed it there, you know, six months later. So that was uh, in, in a good direction.
0: And it finally got passed. Was it 2018, 2019? I forget now. 2018, 2019,
1: after the eighteen election, yep. Right, exactly.
0: So a couple of those other ones that we want to talk about.
1: The Downs Bill. The Downs Bill passed in 2017 uh, that you cannot have an abortion based on the baby's genetic makeup, that it's Downs. Life is that precious that we should not be able to dictate male or female. We should not dictate if it's uh, a Downs baby. So that was a very good bill that was passed.
0: Is that in place or is that also in the courts again being
1: fought? As usual, it recently had a court hearing. There was a stay, and then it moved up to to the next court, it said that it was legal, but uh, the next court said it was uh, there was a stay, so it has not been implemented because of the court procedures.
0: That's the system, I guess. Yes. <laughs> but you're doing what you can uh, on yeah. your level. And then the telemedicine, maybe a little more detail for people that don't know what that's about.
1: The Senate Bill 260 was my bill that I passed in the last General Assembly, and it is to stop doing chemical abortion over the phone. This was introduced before the pandemic and became even more important during the pandemic is that pro-choice groups were very proud that they were doing telemedicine where you could call up or go on the Internet and find a doctor and say, I'm six weeks pregnant and I want to have an abortion. And they would say, that's fine. I'll call the pharmacy down the street. You go pick it up, take one pill one day, one day, two days later, and you'd have an abortion. And there was people like Planned Parenthood that was out there bragging that they, their number of abortions went up by telemedicine. And so we passed 260 last December and became effective 90 days later that basically said that if to prescribe those medications for a chemical abortion that had to have a face-to-face meeting with the physician and he had to be there when the first pill was taken.
0: Right. We had a whole episode in 2019 on the whole abortion pill, on that, but and what that is like. Outside of, you know, the fact that it's an abortion, outside of all of that, even if you just are interested in women's health, right? Even if that is your concern, you should be concerned about about that abortion pill. Not only does it kill the child, but it's pretty dangerous, and you shouldn't be just describing it over the phone.
1: And Thank that's the, the, the gist of the entire bill, was it about safety to the to the patient. And I will follow that up here in a few weeks with, with another bill, because right now those pills are supposed to be treated that way through the FDA. There's a concern that the Biden administration will relax those measures and take it off from the federal level that you do not have to be in person And so I'm going to have another bill that follows up that that will require in Ohio, even if the FDA in-person is is taken away and have a registry of who is doing this.
0: Like the others, this is also being challenged in the court right now?
1: Yes, is doing that too.
0: So other things going either that have passed recently or they're just happening right now that you might want to bring up that you've been proposing?
1: The Born Alive Act. And to me, this has nothing to do with abortion, but has everything to do with abortion. So I have the privilege to have this bill in the General Assembly with Terry Johnson from Scioto County that represents Claremont County and East. Okay. He's also a physician. Basically, the bill says, it's to me, it's common logic, but that does not often in the pro-life, the other side doesn't look at it. If a baby is born alive from a botched abortion, the physician and the caregivers must provide care. How simple is that? So so there's no more argument of life and choice in the womb. This is life outside the womb. I just don't understand how, as a physician, you could look at life sitting there in front of you, as precious as it is, and not provide medical care and watch that fetus, that baby. At this point, it's a baby outside the womb die.
0: Right. Right. So that one passed.
1: So this is was, was proposed. Dr. Johnson proposed at last the General Assembly. I joined him this General Assembly as a, as a joint sponsor. And hopefully we're going to get a hearing on that in the next few months. So
0: do you have any sense of, OK, you know, I think based on the makeup right now of the House and Senate, I think there's a really good chance that's going to pass. We know that on the federal level. We've been trying to pass that every two years for Mm -hmm. forever, and it's not happening.
1: No, I'm confident this bill will pass. My first cousin, Matt Huffman, is the president of the Senate currently. He is as pro-life as I am. His mother started Heartbeat in Lima, Ohio. And I think we both grew up as pro-life people. My father was a, a deacon in the Catholic Church in the Cincinnati Diocese. He was Deacon Bob in West Melton. It was Cardinal Bernadine right before he left Cincinnati to go to Chicago. And I was 16, 17 years old, and I was the altar boy. And all I can remember at 16 or 17, I kneeled for two hours on the marble at (laughs) St. Peter's and Chain Church. I mean, just at that age, I did not appreciate the historical and ceremonial things that were going on. I just remember that. It really hurt to kneel for two straight hours. So.
0: <laughs> I am sure.
1: And at the end of his life and career, he he developed a laying estate there for the diocese. My dad was an attorney in the 80s, represented nearly every pro-life marcher in the city of Dayton when they were arrested for blocking the entrance to the abortion clinics. And, you know, many of the things that he did in the legal arena to protect the pro-life is still out there.
0: You come from a proud legacy. That's awesome. So you mentioned the Born Alive Act. Are There others that people could currently be contacting, right? The representatives or senators about making sure they vote. Sure.
1: To, to me, the ultimate bill in Right to Life. Christina Roegner out of Akron has a bill that, that says that when Roe versus Wade is overturned by the federal court, then in Ohio, all abortions would go away in the state of Ohio. So we still need to get Passed Roe versus Wade at the federal level, but then we need to come back and have a law in Ohio that says to stop all abortions. So her bill would say that when Roe versus Wade is overturned, there will no longer be abortions in the state of Ohio under state law.
0: Right. So that's being introduced, or we're working on trying to do that?
1: It it has been introduced and working its way through the process.
0: Okay, let's talk about some things other than abortion. So adoption, for example, I think you have adoption bills that have passed recently or are in the works right now.
1: Last General Assembly, there was an adoption linked deposit program. Okay. So what's that? That is so that when people that want to adopt a baby, the state government will issue you a low interest loan so that you can then go out and have the money to be able to, because it's exp- it can be expensive to be able to have a low interest loan from the state of Ohio to go out and do that. And I think along with that or further tax deductions from your state tax to encourage people to go out to do adoption.
0: I think you have others also related to foster care. There are a lot more kids in need of families than there are families willing to foster. So anything that we can do in that area could be helpful as well. Do you have anything to mention in that area?
1: Yeah, so Representative Manchester passed the bill in the last General Assembly last September regards foster care caregiver training. It it simplified it it made it more direct for foster care. because a lot of the people don't get into foster care because of the complexity and all the training they have to do. And so the bill kind of simplified it because you want quality people into foster care, but we need to get more people doing foster care to fill that void because there is such a need.
0: Right, exactly. Are those bills that you're just mentioned? Those are ones that have passed.
1: That have passed in the last general assembly within the last six to nine months that have taken effect.
0: So th- those are not tied up in the courts right now. That's no. here, right? <laughs> Others in that arena? I think there's a couple others.
1: There was one that made a high adoption awareness month a couple of years ago, but Senator Coley had a bill about two years ago that uh, changed the uh, child support laws to update them. That there was ratios and things that were kind of old and kind of updated that to make it fair to both the, both parents. So
0: Let's move to the other end, right? Some recent things going on that help protect the elderly or people in nursing homes, that kind of thing.
1: Sure. I am the chair of the health committee in the Senate here in Ohio, and we have a bill called Esther's Law. And basically what would do is, is would allow you to have a video camera in a nursing home so that you could watch your elderly family. They may have dementia or you just have concerns or you just want to check in. I mean, especially during this COVID, when the governor stopped all that, it would give you the opportunity to check in make sure that they're doing well and that they're doing all right. So there's always a little concern about privacy with other other people if you have more than one person in a room. So we're working through that. And hopefully, uh, I, I think it'll pass out of the Senate in the next month or so to go to the House to provide that assurance for people.
0: That goes through. Does that affect all nursing homes? You're just like, public nursing homes versus private ones? No,
1: it would affect every nursing home in the state because they're regulated by the Ohio Department of Health. Since they're licensed by the state, they have to go by the state rules.
0: Others in that area?
1: There's not a lot more in elderly law that we're really looking at at this point. Yesterday, the Ohio House passed the biennial budget for the next two years. Your viewers might think that the budget is all about money, but in a state of Ohio, we have a lot of policy in the state budget in that more money for other things for addictive services and nonprofits that do good things out in the community is are in that budget
0: so assisted suicide there's i think I'm pretty sure it's nine jurisdictions we say that because Washington DC is one of them and eight states I think that was the latest count uh, that have legalized assisted suicide i know every now and then somebody tries to pass something in ohio and last I've heard, nothing like that is getting anywhere currently, at least in the in the legislature in Ohio. Are you aware of anything, anybody still trying to push something related to assisted suicide in Ohio, as that isn't so much of a concern at the moment?
1: It's not a concern. I don't think that the current makeup of the General Assembly would have any appetite for that. I don't think anybody has tried to bring that up in Ohio for about the last three or four years.
0: Hopefully that stays that way. Yes. <laughs> oh, you wanted to talk about Ed Choice, though.
1: Yes. So I am a big proponent of Ed Choice in the state of Ohio, and it is truly a choice. My children were educated in the the Catholic system, and I watched firsthand what it did to their classmates. And so in the last budget, we increased the amount per year to 6000 for high school, and I think 4650 for elementary school. And is really to looking to continue to move that forward because that does not cover the cost of a Catholic education, especially at the high school level. But we need to continue to move that up and make it fair. You know, recently, we've had the Ed Choice expansion, which I think is bad. We expanded in the sense that the Edge Choice Scholarships is based on if you're in a failing school district, and we've defined failing school district and we re- redefined it last year. I think there's about 450 buildings in the state that are eligible because if you're going to a failing school, you need a choice to go to whatever school that you want to, to better yourself. EdChoice Choice Expansion then put it on a financial. So if you're t- under 200% of poverty, you could get an Ed Choice scholarship and go to, it didn't matter where you lived, and then go to a, a school of choice. At the end of the last General Assembly, we moved that to 250% of poverty, or about $64,000 for a family of four, so that you can still have a choice to educate your children. Also, in the budget, we're looking to do some other financial things with transportation of Ed Choice. Scholarships that is often a limiting factor for parents is to get their kids to the Catholic school in an Edge Choice scholarship. And uh, so we're looking in the budget, working with the Catholic Conference on how we can increase funding to get those kids through the school system.
0: Maybe a little bit of clarity on how that works. I guess if you are currently have your kids in public school and that public school is failing, right, you could switch to a Catholic school with that bill, correct? But correct. if you are already going to a Catholic school, That wouldn't apply to you in that case, because otherwise everybody going to Catholic school would be able to get a voucher.
1: So you have to be going to a a failing school and you can get a voucher or you can have an income based less than 250 percent of poverty and then get a Ed Choice Expansion Scholarship. And there's some other scholarships. There's the Peterson Scholarship for Autism and Special Needs that are out there for children on IEP that need added things in their education. The state of Ohio will spend extra money so that the Catholic schools will be able to to take them. And and we know those are more expensive children because they're they're receiving more services for the state.
0: I do know some families that generally send their kids to public schools because generally speaking, a lot of times the services they need are available in the public school and may not be available in a Catholic school. That happens, I know. So this bill will help people help families get those services if they're going to Catholic school?
1: I think in different areas in the Cincinnati Diocese, there's certain schools have certain programs tailored to certain special needs children.
0: Other things that I didn't ask you specifically you'd want to bring up in this whole arena?
1: The General Assembly is certainly pro-life in helping doing God's work in the sense that life is all sacred. I'll tell you another bill that I've sponsored It had my first hearing a couple of weeks ago is that to abolish the death penalty in the state of Ohio. And if we're pro-life, we need to be pro-life to the end of life, too, just because you're convicted of of something. And, you know, there's one being that should decide if we live or die. That's God. The worst of the worst have to die. But through prayer and, and things have decided that we need to abolish the death penalty for a number of reasons. One, God is the only one to decide if we should live or die. The financial aspect, it is two or three times more expensive to put someone to death In the state of Ohio, than keep them in prison for the rest of their life. To abolish the death penalty is to be sentenced to uh, life without parole. Also, it's not a perfect system. One out of every six persons that have been executed in the state of Ohio since we restarted it back in '92, one out of six have been exonerated and left off death row because they were not guilty. I've introduced that bill with my joint sponsor, Senator Antonio, in the House. Representative Schmidt from Claremont County has a companion bill, and we'll we'll see where it goes. Virginia has overturned the death penalty in the last couple of months. I think Ohio needs to go into that direction, but in Columbus, in the General Assembly, we'll continue to have a discussion, and hopefully, we'll get there soon.
0: Senator, I'm so glad you brought up that topic. The death penalty was a topic in for those listeners interested in July of 2019, and we talked about how a lot of things you just mentioned. Not only are many people who are sentenced to death end up being exonerated later, even that is only because they had a heroic effort of appeals process things who knows what percentage, if they had great legal counsel would also, in addition to that, and then there's, depending on the state, you can get sentenced to death for a lesser crime than people think.
1: I, I had this discussion with a Supreme Court justice the other day, and he, he brought up the point that if two men go to rob somebody and something goes bad and one person shoots and kills the other one, the guy standing there that didn't pull the trigger, didn't do anything, can be sentenced to death without killing anybody. And, and I think an, another reason for the death penalty for me is is closure. To put someone to death in the state of Ohio is around 20 to 25 years. And they sit there on death row. A story that, that that I heard is that just a horrendous story. They killed their mother, the man and the two daughters. The two daughters are they wanted the death penalty. The brothers said no, life without parole, and they agreed with the prosecutor. And and when, when I asked, he says, Why did you decide that? He said, Because for the next 20 to 25 years him and his sisters would have to go and relive that in court every year to tell the judge, this is why we think you should kill this man. And there's never any closure. And now granted, there's never any closure. You will think about the death of your mother in that way the rest of your life, but it would give them the opportunity that they didn't have to go relive it in a courtroom setting for the next 20 to 25 years until the death sentence was finally carried
0: out. Right. The way the appeals process works is what you're talking about. It, it forces the families of the victims to relive it. It costs the state a lot of money. We could go on, like I said, yeah. a whole episode on that. So uh, mm-hmm. July, 2019, if you want to look at the archives of the being pro-life series, we could talk about the death penalty regardless of what it is, right? Any, some bill that you, what are you most proud of and your in your term, either as a Senator or as a representative here in the state of Ohio?
1: I think my pro-life stance—the bills that I've introduced in pro-life—because to me they're the easiest. And people look at me. I give no thought about it. It's life. There's no debate in my mind that what's what's right and wrong it's life. And so those are the easiest things to to vote for the heartbeat bill, to vote for the Downs bill that you could not abort a fetus because of Downs. And for my background as a physician, it even comes easier and do it well for the underserved in the state of Ohio.
0: Thank you for talking with us today, Senator, for sharing your background and your work in the state house on pro-life issues from abortion to the elderly, to the death penalty. Thanks again for spending time with us today.
1: Thank you very much and God bless to all your viewers.
0: And I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series at the website to view more resources talked about in this episode at www.catholicaoc.org slash being pro-life. Thank you again for joining us today. I look forward to being with you next time.